Hello, it's Friday, November 17, 2017 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Higher Ed Special Edition. I'm your host, Andrea Boyle-Tippett from the University of Delaware. On today's live broadcast, we're talking about marketing to today's students and their parents through multimedia. In the new media age, marketing strategies require more than traditional modes of storytelling, and social media engagement requires integrating a variety of media across multiple channels. During this webinar, our guest, Heather Edson, will share best practices in producing and distributing multimedia content to build student engagement and loyalty. We'll discuss techniques and strategies for marketing to students and learn about changes that new media communication technologies have brought to our industry. Today's Higher Ed Special Edition is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of the live broadcast by sharing your knowledge and questions. We encourage you to participate in today's discussion by tweeting with the hashtag HigherEdLive. HigherEdLive is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Are you looking to improve your institution's global and digital marketing strategy and execution? To be successful, today's higher-end marketer must make data-driven decisions and connect digital performance back to strategic and financial goals. Educate your entire team in the latest digital marketing strategies and trends on December 6th during MStoner's Digital Marketing for Higher Education online conference. We'll be tweeting out a link to learn more about the conference shortly, so you can look for that on our handle at PRSACHE or with the hashtag Higher Ed Live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or take it with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Today's episode is made possible by PRSA's Counselors to Higher Education Professional Interest Section. Counselors to Higher Ed provides PR professionals working in colleges and universities with publications, insights into the best ways to promote the value, power, and appropriate role of communications and marketing functions within institutions of higher ed. Tra terrific, not terrific, mm -hmm. although maybe terrific, um, <laughs> networking opportunities and virtual events. And now let's chat with today's guest, Heather Edson, as the multimedia producer in university marketing and communication at Loyola. Loyola University Chicago. Heather oversees multimedia for the department. She produces, shoots, and edits photo and video to tell the story of Loyola, student interns, freelancers, and projects, while providing input on creative strategy for production and dissemination of photography and video across multiple channels. Heather was an award-winning photojournalist for several years, working as a staff photographer for newspapers in the Chicago area, including the Sun-Times Media Group, Heather also worked as a freelance photographer and videographer for various nonprofits in the Windy City. She graduated with a master's in new media studies from DePaul University and has a bachelor's degree with an emphasis on photojournalism from the University of Missouri, Columbia. Heather, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So with that, why don't we just launch into what you have to present today? Great, sounds good. Um, thanks so much for the great introduction. Um, I'm just going to power up my lovely, hold on just a moment. All right, here we go. Um, so as Andrea mentioned, we are going to talk about marketing to students in a multimedia landscape. Um, 
I've been here at Loyola for a little over the, than five years. Um, I started in July of 2012. Um, at that time, um, some people would occasionally ask me if I were a student, and I'd be like, no, 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 I've been out of college for quite some time. Um, but over the last five and a half years, I've definitely seen some trends and some changes in the students who have come through my office, and then later, um, those who have come through my classroom. Um, I taught a, a course in the School of Communication as well, um, New Media. Um, so my first question that you know I want to ask and I want to address is sort of students today. Um, who are these students? Um, they, they've come after the millennial generation, uh, the majority of them at least, and what is it that they like? What is it that they aspire to be? And, and who are they? Um, and you know what we've discovered is uh, there are many names that sort of uh, define um, the generation that's come after millennials. Um, one obvious one is the post-millennials. Uh, another is um, the iGen, uh, which is you know a little nod to the iPhone, which came out in 2007. Um, these uh, they're also known as neo-digital natives. Um, generally born between 1995 and 2012. Um, they're just now, you know, in the about 22 years old and, and younger. So definitely most of the undergrad population that you're going to get now at your universities are these, this post-millennial group. Um, they grew up with technology. So they've been, you know, uh, they've known they're not, maybe not mobile devices since they were in infancy, but at least they've worked with um, desktop computers. They've worked with iPads. They've worked with various forms of screen-based technology, and they're very comfortable using social media. And then, of course, they're still going to be at your university smaller subgroups like millennials, international students, and adult learners. Um, so, you know, in terms of our social media strategy and our strategy um, with our content, we, of course, look at the broad group. So we're looking at both, you know, all post-millennials, current students, prospective students, um, and of course the parents because they're definitely big influencers and drivers on where um, their children go to school. So students today, um, you know, as I mentioned before with the advent of the iPhone in 2007, they're extremely mobile centric. They spend more time on their mobile devices than any other generation. Um, there was an Atlantic article that I read uh, just earlier this week that talked about, you know, how maybe there might be a little bit of an obsession, you know, but um, at this time, students by and large are checking their phones as much as 150 times um, a day. So these, these um, post-millennials, they're preferring images over text. They want things that are easy and concise to read. They want to make sure that they're able to glean from the information. Um, and three out of four American teens are owning a smartphone. So they're looking at the screens and that's how they're getting the bulk of, of what they're reading and what they're um, consuming. And just, you know, a quick, um, wanted to quickly bring up the importance of content retention. Um, not sure, you know, this might be something that everyone's aware of, uh, but 80% of what we see, um, we remember. And so when you think about that, so there's only like 20% that we don't remember of what we see. So image recognition, you know, is very strong. And I think that's one of the points I'm going to bring up today um, is that this having imagery, imagery across multiple channels at one time might have been seen as um, being redundant. Um, but in this day and age, it's actually if the image and the content is strong, 
you know, there's no problem with sharing all of that content. And for people to see your photos again and again, that can just help to reinforce your brand. We only remember 20% of what we read. Um, so right there, you're probably not going to, um, even if you are going to read like a heavy article in the Atlantic, you might only remember a few pull-out quotes or little bits and pieces of information. Um, but with a graphic, you might remember more. And then we only remember 10% of what we hear. So, you know, if you're listening to this webinar right now, uh, I hope that you're also looking at um, the PowerPoint slides that are coming up because you likely will not remember 90% of it. Of course, you can listen in again, but um, you generally want to uh, definitely make sure that there is a visual um, identity that helps reinforce your message. So students today, what do they want? We kind of know who they are. Um, students today want mobility. 54% uh, of all emails are opened on a mobile device. Um, that's a huge shift from where we were at just five years ago. You know, things were still like very desktop heavy, desktop centric um, a few years ago. And now students are even applying online. So making sure that that application process is, you know, smooth and easy um, is definitely, you know, about most important to um, marketers and to enrollment departments. Um, as I stated before, people also check their phones 150 times a day. I know that seems crazy. That's many, many times over the course of an hour. Um, I'm not going to be checking my phone this hour, so hopefully mine will be more like 140 times a day. Um, but they're using um, various uh, apps to be able to check their phones. Um, and they're also using email, web, and social together um, to try to reinforce um, you know, I'm sorry, you should use email, web, and social together to try to reinforce your message in all the places that people visit on their phone. Um, so even though, you know, you might be thinking about, okay, well, we have to make sure we have like an impactful um, social media strategy, you still want to be thinking about, you know, your main website, your inner websites, um, and your email correspondence and your email blasts um, to prospective and current students. Another um, important point is that you want to get make sure your messaging is to the point. Um, I'm sure, as we can all attest, we get hundreds upon hundreds of emails every day. You know, I spend, um, like when I'm taking the train back from work, I usually have about 50 to 100 emails in my personal email inbox, and I will just take the time to try to delete through what's important and what isn't. And obviously, if something doesn't get to the point and to the heart of the matter, I'm just going to delete that. Um, the same is true of our students. You know, they, they're also bombarded by social media, probably even more so than we are, because they're on more social media channels. Um, they're, they're chatting with their friends on Snapchat and other apps. Um, so they just don't, simply don't have the time to, you know, go through um, a full uh, email with several bullet points or, you know, long, story, long form stories. Um, so you want to make sure that your message is short and concise. And one of my favorite words for 2017 is um, authenticity. Uh, and that's something we'll talk about a little later um, in this webinar is, you know, in terms of your brand, I mean, of course, in terms of your personal self too, you wanna be authentic in who you are and what you know. So um, if your messaging isn't genuine, um, if it's not in alignment with your principles, um, this group of this generation is going to see right through that. And I think it's just because, 
they, they've become so savvy with technology. They're working with so many different brands and identities. Um, you want to make sure that, you know, just um, play to your strengths um, and don't try to become or be a, a brand, part of your brand that you are not. Um, so the first uh, step or first thing we'll talk about today is um, emails. Um, we still, we all get bombarded with emails. Um, and as it uh, turns out, receiving too many emails is the number one reason people unsubscribe and disengage um, from, from an email uh, subscription. And so there are several ways that we can try to combat this because we obviously want our students to um, get the information that we need. We want to convey our messaging. And one way to do this is to try to send your emails first thing in the morning. So 58% of email users check email first thing in the morning. Um, and so you can either do this by getting into the office early and sending your emails, or even better, you can schedule emails early in the day, you know, the night before, and you know, hopefully you'll see an uptick in opens. Um, that Atlantic article I read this week had said, I mean, email is the first thing that people check when they wake up in the morning, and it's the last thing they do when they go to bed to, at night. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, maybe our students aren't waking up at 6 a.m., like, or 5.30, like I am, but maybe they're um, waking up closer to 8 or 9. So, you know, you want to be cognizant of student schedules, you know, class schedules, and you want to try to reach them while they're on campus. So, <clears throat> Another uh, statistic that I wanted to share with you, which came to me through one of my um, enrollment management marketing partners here at the university, is that emails with video on the subject line have a 65% higher open rate and reduce unsubscribes by 29%. Now that's really significant. Um, so you've got, you know, if you put video in your email blast or you include a photo, which by the way, all of our email blasts have um, photos in them, um, you know, that's going to help to further engage and provide a little bit more information to your um, prospective and current students. Um, so they're more likely not just to open them, but to read the content and to, to help reinforce um, the message that you're wanting to convey. Um, so here's an example of one of our emails. Um, so of course, it's the Loyola experience. It's, this is one of the emails that would go out to a prospective student. Um, and so here, you know, it talks about the resources, the transfer retreat, um, whoops, different um, ways in which you can participate. Of course, an uh, apply today button, which is extra useful because that's ideally what we want our prospective students to do. Um, and this is about 90% uh, of, of um, the email blasts that go out to, um, from enrollment management marketing. The other 10 to 20% are going to be videos. Um, and the videos have been, as we said, a much more successful um, open and view rate. So it's 65% increase. And so what you want to do is make sure that you put video in the subject head. Um, but in this case, um, there's a, a photo coupled with a video and you know, a nod to Ignatian Heritage Month. I think this is going to go out. Um, you guys are getting it first. Uh, this is going to go out probably today or over the weekend um, to try to uh, get people to click. Um, 
And another thing, you know, in talking about brand alignment, you know, and playing to your strengths, um, what we're hoping to do, you know, here at the university and, and kind of help reinforce our mission is to try to um, make sure we're also talking up some of the great, um, you know, monthly uh, activities that are taking place, in this case, Ignatian Heritage Month, um, which is a big push um, for Loyola. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through. Um, you know, I'm gonna, not going to watch this video because I think there's a couple other videos I want to get to, but basically this, there's a video that talks all about what Ignatian Heritage Month is. Um, another very important um, point is, is brand consistency, and I can't stress that this enough. Um, you know, we have uh, our, one of our staff members um, is constantly looking, you know, at all over the university and be like, oh my gosh, I just saw that poster was off brand or that poster was off brand. And so it's really hard to try to rein in, not just internally, but externally, um, to make sure that all of your social media accounts, all of your print materials, all of the information that you're putting out there is, is consistent with and aligned with your brand. Um, and one thing we try to do here at, um, in UMC, University Marketing and Communication, um, you know, is to make sure that people are aware of, you know, what should the brand look like? What should the logos look like? What is off brand? And so, you know, we have uh, process documents. I've got process documents for um, our, all of our uh, video branding standards. And so for anybody who's interested in looking at them, I'm more than happy to um, share those uh, with you after the webinar. Um, we also have video content that's available so people can see what, you know, our templates for video should look like. So um, that's one way that we try to make sure we're, um, you know, helping our um, outside clients and our, you know, partners, our internal partners, make sure that they're aligned in their brand. Um, and so you definitely want to make sure that you have this content alignment across your multiple channels. So that's your website, social media, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook your magazines, if you have them, print, and it's just to make everything so much more uh, cohesive. Um, we also make sure that we include all of our brand standards and our, as part of our identity and philosophy, our graphic identity. Everything's available within university marketing and communication. Um, and we, we try to make sure that we um, maintain a very unified approach to our brand. Um, and I think it's something that's been done ever since this um, university marketing and communication was in kind of started as a department uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, so it's something that we really try very hard to um, reinforce. Um, one thing I really also want to talk about is the importance of um, leveraging your student resources. Um, so I've got uh, anywhere between four and six students. Uh, student workers um, through, you know, every semester uh, that work for me as part of my team. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, office jobs for students just involve like filing papers or making copies. And here in UMC, um, they get to learn so much more. Um, so the students, you know, actually go out and take pictures. They actually take over our Instagram accounts through what's called a Rambler Buzz takeover. Um, they get to shoot video and edit video. We do like man on the street interviews. So I kind of um, try to train them. So they're doing all sorts of, you know, very exciting things, things that they're hopefully going to do out in the real world after they graduate. Um, and so one of the things, you know, I have process documents and I've got all sorts of, you know, different and various ways in which we train them. Um, but again, in that nod to authenticity, I try to make sure that the, um, uh, 
students are, are, I train them and I manage them properly so that they can be authentic storytellers themselves. Um, it's more, you know, than just saying here, here's what a good video is. It's actually training them to shoot their own videos and then edit. And um, you'll see a lot of the video content and, and still photography content across all of our channels, including our, you know, high-end magazine. Um, it were in some cases taken or, you know, um, completed with the help of students. Um, so one of these that I want to talk about in terms of authentic storytelling um, is uh, here at in UMC we have like kind of an ongoing um, video series called Through the Loyola Lens. Um, I invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can, you know, see these whenever they come out. Um, but what we try to do is there's really short little vignettes on um, either student, alumni, or um, faculty members. Uh, and we try to, or our goal is to sort of focus on one video for each school um, every year. And we haven't quite hit that mark. I was uh, out for a few months on maternity leave, but um, we uh, definitely will uh, continue to do, do these probably once a month uh, moving forward. So what I just wanna um, bring up is, um, this guy, Timothy Guilfoyle, who's a history professor here um, in the College of Arts and Sciences. Um, and he's been doing a midnight bike ride for a number of years. And so I just wanna share with you his video. Um, it's nice and short. And, okay, whoops. History, I think, is all. <laughs> and if you wanna watch it again, um, I can send that link over. Um, so that video in particular, um, it was definitely a team effort. Uh, we, we ended up um, finding out, I, this is a project that uh, one of my former supervisors had said, you know, I hear that there's a professor and he, you know, takes all of his students out on a midnight bike ride. And so for like a year and a half, two years, I worked to track, not just track him down, I was finally able to track him down. And then we scheduled the midnight bike ride and he ended up having to cancel it because of weather. And so he scheduled it for the next semester and he had to cancel that because of weather um, or because he had a symposium. So finally we were able to make this happen um, last semester. Um, and you know, it's one of our student workers um, decided she wanted to take part in the ride for most of it. So she rode along with them until about 5 a.m. So um, some of the later shots of like, you know, the street shots downtown in Chicago, those were taken by her. Um, she then, you know, assisted with the editing, worked on a lot of the edits for the video. So it's something that I'm just, I, I'm really excited that, you know, not only are students getting the experiences, but then they're also able to kind of help to craft those stories um, that then other students can get excited about. And I think there's like a realness um, to the, the imagery that can be shot by students. It can definitely be you know, a grittiness that we're trying to convey in our, our visual brand here at Loyola. Um, and so these are the kinds of stories, like this truth in storytelling, um, which is a little bit, you know, of my background in photojournalism. Um, I definitely like to take that element in my storytelling and in the uh, video projects that we work on here at the university. And so with that, you know, but the, the um, story didn't just stop with a video. Um, you know, the story also had a written form. Um, it was the, our former staff photographer, Natalie Battaglia, took some photos. I definitely um, shot some video. Um, and uh, we definitely had a, a story that was crafted. Um, and then the 
photo essay or photos and a story also ran in um, the last edition of our um, Loyola magazine, which um, is pretty cool when you think about it. So like over here, I uh, can't really see that. That's not too big. Whoops. Um, but, you know, it included a map of like where the students, um, like the route that they took all throughout the city in the middle of the night. Um, there were photos here that were taken by our staff photographer, Natalie Battaglia, and our student. Um, her name was, uh, is Jordan Doyle. So they just did, you know, really a fantastic job with the, the spread. And it was definitely a story that we were able to do more work with. Um, we also posted it to social media and it got a lot of likes and um, you know, I think it's it just goes to show like how that sharing content across multiple platforms um, can be pretty successful. Another thing we like to do is um, we have a uh, our social media team will often tap um, one of our students and ask them if they want to spend a week um, doing what's called a Rambler Buzz um, takeover, and so they, they call it a Buzz takeover uh, hashtag. Um, and this was one of uh, my former uh, student interns um, who uh, was graduating that week and she spent an entire week taking some incredible photos. Um, and it's definitely content that I think can be reshared and repurposed and, you know, because our student was already trained in kind of methods of storytelling, it can also help to reinforce that strong imagery that we're really trying to um, make sure we're, we're aligning with. Um, so let's move on to alternative story forms. Uh, so in addition to, you know, the still photos, you've also got, um, you've got GIFs or GIFs, depending on how you want to pronounce it. You've got time-lapse, um, you've got standalone photography, and there are photo essays, um, which you saw a little earlier. And then for video, we have narrative stories. We also have man-on-the-street um, videos, a lot of which now our students actually conduct those interviews and then work to edit those pieces that end up on our social media channels. And we have animation. Um, and so I just want to share with you one of our animation pieces um, that we have a beloved 98-year-old uh, sister. Her name is Sister Jean. She's a beloved figure here on campus. And so one of our graphic designers who's really um, good with uh, um, animation created this lovely um, for and with others uh, animated element that then was posted to our social media platforms. Um, and then that uh, this was used sort of to help promote our very first um, Facebook live chat, which Sister Jean took part in. And um, that was one of the most successful um, live chats within our, um, on our social, or I'm sorry, on our Facebook page. So it was kind of cool to see um, how many people had tuned in, but also how many um, have tuned in since then. And so that's one of our more successful. And it's, of course, the first time we've ever tried um, Facebook live chat. But I think it's worth like testing things out and trying new things. And, you know, if something doesn't quite work out and you make a mistake, it's okay. You know, it's like, that's what social media and that's what this new technology is all about. And I think it's important to try um, some of those new devices and see what works. I think it leads to more um, effective storytelling. Again. Um, the, I can't stress enough the importance of authenticity, of using real documentary moments to tell the story of your university. Um, one of these, uh, we had our 2016 year in photos. Um, of course, we'll probably have a 2017 as well. Um, but we use um, our Flickr galleries to kind of, uh, that's we embed 
um, all of our online and web page content with um, our Flickr galleries here. So you can see like all of the majority of these photos were not staged with the exception of, you know, this portrait here. But most of, most of these, we try to just go out into the community and kind of cover the university like we're covering a town. Um, and so it's bringing that idea of like community journalism to marketing and community storytelling. And I think having those like very emotive, real raw moments really resonate well with um, our prospective students, with current students. You know, you're basically just telling the story of Loyola and all of the, the wonderful things that go on here, you know, and, and the great thing about, sorry, telling the story of your university um, is that you're on a calendar system, right? So kind of the same things happen um, year after year, um, but how can you tell that story differently? Um, and of course, you always want to make sure that you have fresh imagery. You know, some things can be sort of evergreen for a while, um, but trying to make sure that you're, even if you're posting a photo of fall last year, making sure that the leaves on the trees look exactly the same this year. Um, that's something that I think students um, notice right away. If you're, if you're posting a photo or you know, video content and something, it's not the right time of day or it, something isn't um, taken at the same time of year, students can tell right away, or people can tell right away, this generation especially, that something is not, um, uh, timely. So timeliness is another very, very important element in, um, you know, our messaging and in our content and across all channels. So I know we're getting a little short on time. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, okay, good. Um, so I then, can look at that. I can look at that scroll of the photos pretty much all day. Honestly. Oh, sweet, good. <laughs> Me too. I was like, and I want to just keep looking at it. <laughs> um, another uh, fun project that we do every year is um, we have uh, president's medallion recipients. So, like one student from each school is nominated um, to be a president's medallion, and there are kind of these individuals that are. Um, like living out the mission of social justice. They're like, you know, top of their class and they're just doing incredible things. So we usually kind of use this as an opportunity or the names of these students um, for us to help tell Loyola's story. Um, and so one of the ways in which we do this is I reach out to each of these students and I try to find um, something authentic that they're doing. And we don't have too much turnaround time. Um, the, the now, the students and the awardees are announced, and then we just have a few weeks before we have to do the features. And so um, this year, I utilized a lot of freelancers um, that I thought were really, really strong storytellers, um, and some of them, of whom some of whom have backgrounds in photojournalism. Um, and it's kind of an, an effort to help capture these students doing what they do in the in the context of the kinds of service um, and or internships or academic experience. Um, and so, you know, these are some of the, the photos that have come out of that, um, the desire to, you know, try to make sure we're telling authentic stories of our students as they're happening and as they're living in the moment. Um, this story in particular, I love, it's a, a girl who, Sharla, who um, has an internship at the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless and works directly with the homeless to try to help these youth become like student leaders and to um, kind of, and homelessness. 
so those are definitely, you know, that's definitely part of our mission and part of our brand. Um, but there's a lot that goes into this. It's getting release forms. It's trying to find the right opportunities. And um, so that's something that, you know, you want to make sure to think of too. Releases are always of utmost importance when you're posting to social media and all of your marketing channels. And um, another thing to think about is um, the importance of user-generated content, or UGC. Um, you want to make sure it's transparent. You want to make sure it's honest and authentic. So if you're retweeting or reposting, um, you know, on Instagram, uh, make sure it's it's a it's as real a moment as as it can be. Um, and that's the same goes the same goes for your um, you know any any content where if you're taking a photo. You know, trying not to stage the 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 photograph or the situation. You know, should always be the goal. Um, we also, you know, in addition to some of our like man on the street interviews, our loyal lens features, um, our various other videos, we also do a number of video and audio slideshows. And we kind of do this just because we're such a small team, and we try to make sure that we're sharing um, or utilizing our resources as much as possible. So in addition to like posting a photo to social media or to Flickr. We're also going to maybe conduct a couple of interviews of people after their events. Um, I'm just gonna share this with you real quick. Um, let's see, there we, wait, nope. Uh, hopefully this is it, there we go. Um, so this is a ABI program, is an alternative break immersion program that we, um, a lot of our, some of our students take part in and so our old staff photographer was able to go to Kansas City and follow these um, students as they worked on like within the community in Kansas City. All right, so that we just posted yesterday, um, but that's also a video that's um, going to get posted to our Ignatian Heritage Month, Month page, which um, I had talked about a little earlier. Uh, so it's kind of a nice um, way to repurpose content and to make sure that we're also um, able to, to have multiple story forms, you know, for the content that we're, that we're utilizing. And for some reason, I can't seem to get back into my play. There we go. Okay. Um, and again, that speaks to the importance of multiple channels. Um, I think that this uh, story and probably the photo that we're using for the IHM video is also going to be in the next edition of our Loyola magazine. Uh, it ends up on our web page. Um, it gets posted to social media. You know, it's um, also letting your other departments know, hey, this video has posted, so please feel free to share on your um, channels because, you know, as you know, other at your university, I'm sure you have hundreds upon hundreds of different social media channels that um, people outside of your department are managing. Um, and are we short on time now? <laughs> we are not. Oh, good. Okay, so we still have a few more minutes. Fantastic. So I've got a lot more slides. Um, so, <laughs> some, some questions that we can also ask, you know, in addition to social media and all of these um, different platforms um, and, you know, our animated content, our video, our photos, how, what else can we do to provide some more context, you know, and that, and that includes like uh, maybe telling the history, maybe using numbers, um, you know, how can we show trends, how can we show like how things have grown, how things have declined, and how things have progressed. Um, 
And what can we do to show what can't be seen? Like maybe it won't be possible for us to get photos of people working, you know, and doing what they doing, are doing for in terms of social justice. Um, but what are some other ways in which we can help and other story forms that we can do to, to kind of convey, you know, our, our message and our stories? Um, and so some ways we have, we have um, different summaries, we've got profiles, we've got segments, and there are just a multitude of ways that we can share information. Um, and so we've got, you know, we have a toolbox here. Uh, and one of these, uh, one of the items in our toolbox is still the written word. You know, it's been around for since for basically the, the dawn of, not maybe the dawn of time, for, but for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, we can still obviously just do textual profiles of people. Um, and, but in addition to that, you know, and that would be an individual Q&A. Um, so what I did is I did an audio recording of this gentleman, Carlos Luna, and then um, that audio recording was transcribed. I transcribe all of our interviews. It's either myself or a student worker who does it. Um, I then passed that transcription along um, to, you know, the editor of our magazine or to, you know, the writer. And maybe if they couldn't be part of the interview process, um, they can glean and take quotes from this transcription. Um, in this case, it was um, kind of copied verbatim and turned into a wonderful individual story form that we can share on all of our channels. Um, another way to, you know, profile is to really um, use... Uh, mul there's multiple um, ways to tell that story on one page. Um, this is called a canvas. Uh, so I'm going to show you real quick what our canvas looks like. Um, a canvas is just kind of an evergreen page um, that might be for, we, we use a canvas for like Ignatian Heritage Month so that all throughout the year, you know, something can go live and be, um, you can still view it from our website. Let's see if this is it here. Oh boy. I think it's to the right of the Facebook page. Um, Facebook tab. Oh wait, that might be, okay. So actually let me just do, here's another one. <laughs> um, so, in this Sorry, case, I was trying to help there. <laughs> no, that's good. No, I, I, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so in this case, this is an evergreen canvas. Um, so we've got the Center for Translational Research and Education. Um, it opened last year. You know, we've got this great photo that shows the building. We've got video content that helps to explain and tell uh, the story. Um, and then you've got, you know, obviously more information for the research page. Um, but then you've also got this beautiful um, graphic here that can tell um, some story and share some content of what you couldn't just see from the building and the photo itself. Um, and so, you know, our, our uh, graphic um, designers and our web designers are just like phenomenally smart and like geniuses. So they've kind of done this, just done an incredible job of pulling and gleaning all of this information. And it just helps to like share that story. You know, and then this portrait helps to tell that as well. Um, and so, you know, we basically got ways in which our um, prospective students or, and all of our audience members can kind of interact with the page um, to glean as much information. And if they're not interested, you know, in the text, they can just kind of go through the photos or watch the video, or maybe they're, they're going to be drawn to the graphic elements, or maybe they're going to be drawn to the numbers, you know, which, of course, having all of those numbers on your um, with embedded on your site um, are really helpful. Um, another thing that's really useful is um, having multiple um, kind of individuals, multiple voices on your page. Uh, and so in this case, it's not just, 
it's it's professors and graduates, um, but you know it could also be students, and so it's just kind of you know what kind of message do you want to convey? Um, and then it's also recaps. So in this case, they had a recap of the event and then a photo gallery, um, and so that photo gallery then links to our um, Flickr page, which of course is just a little more event photography, but um, uh, it's kind of nice that you have those that link and then you've got all of our ab albums available um, online too. And everything is kind of publicly searchable and also downloadable. We allow all of our photos to be utilized for um, public access. Um, so that's a quick hit for, um, of course we have our standalone profiles with um, portraits. And in this case, it's the um, Institute of Environmental Sustainability, you know, a way to segment and organize. Let me see if I can actually pull that one up because I really like that one. But So usually it's not the first landing page, but it is. Um, okay, I can't find it right now. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. So just same sort of concept where it's an evergreen canvas. You wouldn't put newsworthy items on here, but you would have the graphic elements that show like our sustainable new Institute of Environmental Sustainability. Um, you've got these wonderful drop down menus um, and, you know, showing by example, like how something works, um, which is just a beautiful way uh, to try to tell um, the story of you know, why, how we are sustainable on this campus, which is one of our missions. And we do the same thing, the accordion process too, with our undergrad website. Um, and that just allows, you know, that's a kind of one of our biggest hits um, in terms of landing pages for students and prospective students. So um, we have all of the information on, you know, how they can visit, how they can apply, um, and how they can, you know, when, what deadlines they need to meet, which is, you know, extremely important. There's one coming up soon. Um, and finally, you know, we've got different audiovisual. So we have, you know, single subjects such as um, our galleries, uh, which you can link through on our website or click through in our Flickr galleries. Um, we also have grids, which help to, uh, you know, further explain everything there is to do here in Chicago. Um, just another way to convey all that imagery rather than a slideshow. You see, you know, everything in one quick snapshot, which is great. Um, and then something that we're really trying to toss around the idea of is um, our audio podcasts. Um, we don't really have too many in the works right now, um, but, you know, serendipitously, I just met with uh, um, the staff member who like heads up the, the radio station on campus. And so it's something that we really hope to try out and measure, you know, see if we can measure the success. In this case, um, we just have like audio clips in which um, students have about 22 seconds and they talk about what their, um, you know, favorite experiences are. So that's one other um, idea that we're hoping to implement very soon, but we uh, in the meantime, we've taken the photos and collected the audio, and then it's just a matter of, you know, putting it into implementing it. Um, so, and I think it's kind of important. It's important to, like, test different um, ideas out, you know, see what works, see what doesn't, and um, if something isn't successful, you can just move on to the next, you know, um, form of technology that might be, um, people might kind of um, want to uh, take part in. 
Um, and so one thing we've also been playing with in addition to like statistics and numbers is graphics, you know, subliminally uh, where that just helps to reinforce your idea. Um, you know, even though you don't see any text underneath these graphics, you can kind of get a sense of what they all say. And, you know, it shows like growth or, or you know, the pie chart shows, um, you know, where there might be a bigger percentage. Um, so same thing with, you know, you've got various ways to show what's trending, um, to try to convey that message. And it doesn't always have to be in um, a text or a photo, it can be some other visual aid. Um, and one thing I really love too is this idea of like the charticle. Um, so trying to uh, share a ton of information in like one concise, easy to read, easy to find package. Um, and so this one I just love because it shows like the daily routines of famous creative people. Um, I can't take the credit for finding this. I think our colleague uh, Steve Ravenscraft um, found this and pulled this out from one of his presentations, but he, um, what I love is uh, Flannery O'Connor, you know, she got maybe like five hours of sleep a night, uh, spent a lot of time on food and leisure, and only a couple hours on creative work. So I think I could live like that. And none on exercise, which <laughs> and, sounds great. Absolutely none on exercise. <laughs> um, that's good. I didn't notice that. So I feel better about myself already. <laughs> Um, and another way, you know, we try to also pull out imagery um, just this week. There's a story that's going to be coming out where I had to photograph a very important object. Um, and then that's going to be placed against a white background. Um, and our um, design team is working to pull that imagery out, um, you know, and kind of like find some things that are notable. And this in, in particular is just so clean. You know, I just love the, the concept of um, being able to see like the all the awards and then like what each award stands for why it's important and relevant and just having photos with like and showing the environment in the background I think would have been a lot more muddled it, you wouldn't have you would it would have been really difficult to draw your eye um, to what you can see now another thing we try to utilize a lot are maps um, so this map in particular shows all of our first year housing at um, Chicago's Lakeshore campus, which is of utmost importance to, you know, students when they're trying to find, you know, say, well, what residence hall should I live in? Um, and so I think this map just does a really great job of, um, well, you know, do you want to, do you want a place that's close to the lake or not? Like proximity um, can at times be really, um, really important too. And we just um, showing how something works. That's the Institute of Environmental Sustainability canvas that I showed you earlier, which um, showed like how you know they their ecodome works and how they like uh, have plant production, water harvesting, um, natural ventilation. Um, it's a really kind of very cool building that opened up in 2013, but that information is still relevant and still live and still active today. And Heather, as we head toward the end of the webinar here, yeah. so remind anyone that they can tweet out using hashtag IRL if you have any questions. Mm. Great. Um, and finally, you know, we can show diagrams, which um, I think I had shown this example a little earlier, but the importance of showing what can't be seen. So if for whatever reason you're unable to take that photograph or show using a video, you can always craft a diagram. And so with that, um, I'm just going to kind of throw it out there and see if anybody has any questions. And Well, I'm going to start off because I do have a few. Great. So you talked about the authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you might want to take yourself, put yourself back oh, on the screen. Sure. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> um, but you talked about the authenticity, and do you find when you have your your group of students going out and shooting that they bring a different perspective than you and your staffers do? And and what is kind of the themes of that perspective versus what somebody who's in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s puts into a photo? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I definitely, whenever I think of my students, I think of like the- And I still can't see you, by the way. I'm, I'm working on it, sorry. <laughs> uh, how, let's see, I'm on the screen share. Okay, there you are. Now? yay. Um, so whenever I think of my, our students, I think like they just bring so much great perspective, um, great freshness, great energy, you know, to the assignments. And I, I also just love how quick they are to, um, you know, try something new. Like there's something where I can be like, oh, this is exactly how we have to do it. The students are so good at thinking on their feet. And I especially think that this is true with our post-millennials. Like if something with technology isn't working, like I used to just have a freak out. I'd be like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we gonna do? Um, but I find the students are so great at thinking on their feet. They're like, we're just going to try, we'll try another, you know, kind of way of uh, sharing our audio if we can't get this, you know, microphone to work. And um, I think that ingenuity and that ability to just like quickly and swiftly think of new solutions is really, um, that's just been so helpful, you know, with, the, with this um, great newest round of students that have come through you know there i find that they're they're not rigid they're willing to try new things and no doubt that's like because of the technology that they've grown up in um and so i really appreciate that fresh perspective you know i think that's really um a great thing and i think too with the the photography and with like the video you know i love like trying to pull out and glean information and get to the essence of who somebody is like that's something I love to do um, in my interviews. And I, I love to try to make sure that people are comfortable. But I think the students, having a student there helps too. Cause like they know, you know, if a student or is one of their peers, those students are gonna become more comfortable in sharing their story. Um, and I also think that the students can offer up um, just generationally, you know, they're going through the same thing as other students are um, on, on a campus. And so they can really speak well to um just oh you're in that class i was in that class last semester and so that can like help to make a lot of the students that you're either photographing or um trying to get you know really really honest video interviews of that just helps them be that much more comfortable you know and i think that's uh i always try to have a student with me whenever i'm shooting um, a video not just because we're doing two camera setups um but because we're it's it's just helps to kind of liven, lighten the tone a little bit, it makes it a little less serious. Um, and I know I'm not a scary person or intimidating at all, but I think that the student just helps to make it that much less intimidating. Um, That's actually a great idea. It's almost like that that other student is like they're blanky or something that kind of yeah. makes them just feel a little bit better. And I've noticed it too when I've been in the same dynamic, but I never thought about kind of um, making that a standard of bringing a student along so that that they, that the interview subject opens up more it's interesting yeah I mean part of it is um, derived just because uh, it's out of necessity you know it's really just me I'm the only multimedia producer and we have one staff photographer and then um, you know student workers do a lot of the work here um, but it's also just yeah it, it is really nice to have them along and I appreciate that they get that learning experience right now too yeah so it's Absolutely. fun Keeps things light. 
early on you were talking about the importance of mobile and thinking mobile first. Yeah. When you're composing images and putting things together, what do you have to think about that's different for mobile than it was for desktop or that it, that it is for print? You know, is it that it's more simplistic? Um, and then, and also want to get into that and I have a follow-up question. Oh, great. Um, so I don't know if more simplistic is, um, it's not necessarily more simplistic, but I will say that you have to like get to the heart of the, the matter. Um, it changes your composition, right? So um, whenever I'm shooting, I'm always thinking about all of the different dimensions in which we might have to then utilize that photo. So, you know, I'm taking multiple photos. Um, I'm, we have a very, very horizontal frame for our homepage. So I have to think about that and like, we have to make sure that the, the um, subject is in like the upper right hand corner, upper corner, upper left hand corner. It's like everything's shrunk down and it's square. Um, so like for Instagram, for instance, um, you have to, I mean, you can definitely now post a photo that's a horizontal photo, but you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck if you're posting a vertical image or a square image. And that's because, you know, everybody's looking at their mobile phones and it's in a vertical space. And so they're going to be more drawn to something that they can see more of. So if they have, you know, the vertical frame, um, you're going to want to uh, maybe take a picture in that vertical, that, and at least post it in a vertical frame. And the same goes with video. Like we've actually, um, with that animated piece that you saw of Sister Jean, um, that was specifically made for Instagram um, and Facebook too. Uh, but it's trying to, um, you know, create dimensions that are in that vertical space for our videos. So we'll actually export our videos in vertical space so that it gives us, um, there's a greater likelihood that then students will stop and like view our video content. And so far, it's worked pretty well. I don't have exact numbers, but it's something that we just started doing. Um, and uh, it does require that we have to like export things a couple of different ways. Um, but I think that's something that you definitely want to think about whenever you're um, exporting that content. What do you think about things like filters? Because I'm thinking through the fact that I just read that quote about Instagram makes everyone right, but then right, but then. I think, oh, I'm, I'm great, and then I put like my Lark filter on it, and oh, wonderful, you know, do you, <laughs> do you avoid, I mean, do you avoid filters just so things stand out, or do you try and, try and just differently, differently? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so personally, you know, I try to avoid filters. I'll use it a little bit, like, um, I'm, I'm just thinking that you would see because, a whole feed full of them. You know, yeah. you go through a feed and you see everything kind of looks slightly antiquey. Right, right. I think it's. I think there's a lot more latitude on your social media platforms, especially Instagram. I mean, I think people understand like this is probably going to be some filter that's attached to this. Um, so I think it's fine. You know, like we don't have. We definitely utilize it in social media. However, like on our Flickr galleries or you know in our brochures and our print, we definitely wouldn't use. Um, like that kind of filter. Um, so, and I think that like the majority of users and the majority of, um, you know, our audience are going to understand that and think, you know, realize, okay, well, this is a filter it's on Instagram versus this is a brochure photo. Um, but, you know, sometimes things do get um, toned a little more than we would like, you know, so it is, we do try to do like a light tone in our photo archive and stuff. Um, and it's, it's, 
really easy for it to get away from you and to know like what's an authentic photo versus a photo that's got a a, um, a big filter on it like five years from now everybody's gonna think well that's definitely you know not a real moment or not a real uh, photo um, so I think like best practices if you're gonna archive any of your photography or if you're gonna post it to Flickr you're gonna have it on your website um, definitely you know make sure it's got like the minimal toning gotcha yeah um, um, one last question, one last I, question have I have is, is how much do you, how much use, do you use the, what you call the, the user-generated user content, content, the things that are submitted, and how do you go about getting it? Um, so we have our, one of our, somebody on our social media team, um, she spends about 10% of our work time kind of monitoring, um, you know, our big uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Um, and she'll post probably, I think she does like a repost, it, usually about once a day. Um, I can't say with exact certainty the exact numbers, um, but uh, it's just a matter of consistently monitoring, you know, if like a student talks about getting into Loyola University Chicago, she'll then reshare that post. Or if it's a photo of our beautiful campus, we have a hashtag called Cooler by the Lake. And so students will post that, you know, we've got our beautiful Lake Michigan at our Lakeshore campus. Um, so students will post um, photos of our Lakeshore campus She'll kind of glean through it, pick out, you know, one of our uh, beautiful images, maybe it's snowed, um, and then uh, that will kind of get repurposed and reutilized and shared. Um, so there's definitely, you know, curation involved, like it's trying to be selective in the kind of content that you want to share um, and spread. And I know that at some universities, there's like a social media person who's 100% dedicated to that engagement. Um, uh, for us, I think it's just a matter of us trying to make sure we're consistently engaged daily and throughout the day, um, but also being aware, you know, we have also many other responsibilities, so we try to kind of manage that time and, and make sure we're, we're leveraging those students. But it's also in that the um, takeovers, like our Instagram takeover, in which students are posting at least once a day. So it's not bombarding, it's not oversharing, I guess, but making sure that you're sharing once or twice a day to um, kind of get that content out there, especially if it's content that helps to promote um, your university in a positive light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Heather, thank you so much. So we're, much. Uh, we're at the end of our hour now, and so I want to officially thank our guest, Heather Edson, from Loyola, Chicago. And thanks, as always, to our sponsor, PRSA's Counselor to Higher Education. Don't forget to follow and engage with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we appreciate you joining us for this special edition of Higher and Live. Have a great weekend, and then follow that up with a happy holiday season.